Hey, 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 it's me again. So if you're a first time listener to the You Podcast, I am really happy you're here. I'm excited you're here. I'm grateful you're here. And I also know that you are not here by accident. Absolutely, you were brought here for a reason. I can't wait for you to discover what that is. So this conversation with Dr. Georgie Muir is amazing. I mean, I know I say that word a lot, but it's so freaking good. So it's in two parts because it was that good. In the middle of the first conversation, I said, hold on a second. How long do you have? She's like, I've got a while. And I'm like, can we just keep talking until we don't need to talk anymore? Okay, let's not do that. Let's talk for like a couple of hours. She said, sure. So we broke it up into two different episodes. So this first episode, understand this and everything else makes sense is followed by an episode coming up a week from today, which will be now that you get this, let's go get what you want, okay? So Georgie Muir, I said doctor, she's a former chiropractor. She is so brilliant. You're gonna love listening to her and I'll tell you why. She's what I call a triple threat. So highly trained and educated, great at what she does, great reputation, has been doing it a while, um, trauma-informed, really, really understands, and clearly as a chiropractor, even more so, understands the body. But then here's the triple threat part. She's also an amazing teacher. So she explains things really well and breaks them down to like bite-sized pieces that everybody can understand. It's not intimidating at all. Not a bunch of like, like psychobabble terms, right? Like terms that are hard to understand or intimidating. Nope. And then the third thing about her that I love that makes her a triple threat is that she's entertaining and such a great speaker. Like I could listen to her forever and then you add in her secret sauce, which is her beautiful British accent. And I'm just, I just can't get enough. So who is Georgie? Georgie is a life coach to women in leadership and the founder of Chasing Lobsters, a digital home for professional women rising together. Her work supports women in creating personal sustainability, deep fulfillment, and success that feels good. Underpinned by over a decade of experience in human development and behavioral change, Georgie brings a unique blend of strategy, somatics, which is the body, mindset, and spiritual life coaching, strongly promoting an inside-out approach to life, personally, professionally, and as a leader. These days, Georgie works with leading women across the world in various industries, while it's also embracing life as a mom to her two boys and being part of a military family, and also the host of the most amazing podcast, Our Stories Within. So here is doctor and master coach, Georgie Muir. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap. 
so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Okay. Hello to my friend, Georgie. Welcome to Be You. Thank you, Jill. I am really, truly honored and delighted to be here with you. We finally made it happen. We've been talking about this for quite some time. (laughs) Yes, we're here. We're here. (laughs) And I want to share with the listeners that you do listen to the podcast. And I think that that deserves to be said because you are one of them, even though you are expert today. I am. And I think the humanizing of all this work that we do, i.e. we are all one of them all the time, is so important. So yes, always a student of the work, always connecting with others, really sharing the work to just be inspired, to refine my understanding, to follow my little nudges that take me to places new and old. And yeah, I think you invited me to to listen to your podcast when we first met. I did. And I love it. I love the, the wide ranging conversations, the different approaches and always your perspective. Oh, thank you. And the reason I say one of them isn't just like teacher student. I guess what I mean is I feel like every podcast has its own culture. You know, and I do feel like the women listening to this podcast, they have a certain vibe about them. And some like you are super knowledgeable about what we call the work. Others are like on their first two or three steps, but we're all connected in a certain way because if, you know, something doesn't land with someone, it's not meant to. And so you didn't, you didn't just say, Oh yeah, it's pretty good. I like Jill. Sure. But you said, yeah, I really like it. So I do feel like you're like one of us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so thank, thank you. you for being thank on. You. And I was really honored to be on your show. Will you just tell them quickly the name of your podcast? Yeah, my podcast is called Our Stories Within. And it's really about having connecting conversations between professional women, recognizing that the stories we have within our minds will either lift us or they will limit us. And the more we share them and recognize that we're not alone in them, the more we can help each other and ourselves to untangle you know, those and step away and beyond them. Mm, And I love it. It's unique. So three people having a conversation together. And Mm -hmm. I loved that experience. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. It was really fun. Yeah. So I introduced you ahead of time. So they've heard me gush about you and they heard about your credentials. And you and I were just talking about what we want to chat about together today. And we could go in so many directions. But I asked you a favor and thank you for saying yes, that before we talk about what the title says, Would you be willing to go through a brief, but I would say a more in-depth than we normally do on this show, explanation for our listener? What do you and all the other coaches and therapists and everyone else out there mean when you're talking to us about our nervous system? I mean, we know we have a nervous system, but will you just give me your interpretation? What do you mean by that? What is our nervous system? Why should we care? And what does it have to do with like how we live our life? Yes. And I feel that to be able to do that, I need to give a little bit of backstory because whilst I uh, love work as a coach today, my career began as a chiropractor. And chiropractic is really about working with the nervous system and making sure that the function of the body doesn't interfere with a healthy nervous system. And what do we mean by a healthy nervous system? And that that really boils down to the brain is communicating via nerves to the rest of the body messages that are signals towards behaviors and responses that denote and create health. Now, the reality is health 
to our brain on some levels means physical health and healing. And, you know, you cut your hand and here's everything that needs to happen. And I need you to move your finger and here's the muscles you need to work. That is clear signals from the brain to the body of function. And as a chiropractor, that's really where we focus. We focused on inappropriate pain signals. We focused on inappropriate signals of function, what maybe got in the way of those very clear, healthy messages coming from the brain to the rest of the body. In the coaching personal development arena, really what we're talking to more is how the nervous system creates responses in the body that either promote health, well-being, and expression that is aligned with the person that you want to be and how you want to show up, or the nervous system signals responses and behaviors that uh, are designed to keep you safe, but don't necessarily match who you want to be and how you want to show up. So Jill, by any, at any time I say things and you're like, okay, what does that actually mean? What do you actually mean by that? Just jump on in and ask me because to make something that is relatively complex, actually relatable, we have to ask those questions. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I love that explanation. I am a former registered nurse and then I went through training with people like you, people like you. If you've never listened before, you don't know the story that I wasn't a coach but I went through a pretty intense program that Georgie was a part of just to learn more about myself and more about people. So I understand in my brain what she just said, but I've never heard anyone explain it that way, Georgie. And I wouldn't have known to explain it that way. That is a beautiful explanation. Like I'm still kind of taking it in. Yeah, I really get it. So thank you for that. That's my pleasure. I really just think that the nervous system, if we really truly know and believe that our brain is constantly working. Our entire body is constantly working to keep us alive. And to keep us alive, there are a couple of things that need to happen. It needs to keep us away from pain and away from danger. (laughs) And how does it do that? Well, it sends signals to us on that we receive consciously. So we have to understand that most of what our nervous system does happens under our radar. We have no idea. It's working all the time, you know, round the clock to generate health and provide us with regeneration and energy and healing and all the amazing thing, movement um, and all the amazing things that it does. Sometimes when the nervous system, the brain perceives that there may be threat or danger, pain or potential harm, it needs to make those signals come to us consciously. It needs to make us feel something in the conscious mind, the conscious experience. So we then participate in our removal and extraction from the thing that feels threatening or unsafe. So what kind of signals would would those be? Well, they could be anything, anything ranging from behaviors that are designed to extract you out of it. So it could be something as simple as, I feel nauseous. I feel uncomfortable here. I feel so angry. I need to step away. I feel like I just can't find my words. So I need to take a breath. Anything that really signals to us, I don't like this. This isn't where I want to be. I'm going to pull myself out. That is a response consciously to the signals that the nervous system is sending to us subconsciously. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And will you give us an example of a conscious signal that's a lot more subtle? 
you're not feeling nauseous. You're not feeling like, oh, I need to take a breath. I need to get out of here. But but sometimes there are the subtle signals. So it could be twitchiness. You suddenly notice that you're sort of a little bit restless in your fingertips. It could be that your palms are a little bit sweaty. It could be that you're a little bit tense and uptight. It could be that you just sit, not really speaking, not really saying anything. Even if you have an opinion, you just don't say it. And that may be quite out of character for you when you're calm, when you're connected, when you're, here's another nervous system word, regulated, i.e. you're in a, a zone that your nervous system has denoted as safe and therefore you can be expressive. So it can be limited self-expression. It can be physical signs. And this is this is where we get to really learn our different cues. We can have somatic cues and so we can have cues from the body. We can have cues from our language. We can have cues from our behavior, i.e. are we, you know, walking towards something? Are we walking away something? Do we lean forward? Do we retract back? Do we shrink? Do we expand? Do we get slightly more puffed up and assertive and aggressive? These are all little cues from body behavior and even just chemistry, energy. Does your energy fly? Does your energy dip? Just to really recognize that there's something that's happening that your nervous system is aware of as not potentially comfortable or safe to be within. Mm, Yeah. And just reminding myself again, what you said, that at the end of the day, as uncomfortable as that can feel, your nervous system is trying to help you. Yes. Always trying to help you. Yes. It's really biologically appropriate that the nervous system creates these responses when it believes that the situation we're in is dangerous. The the drawback here is when there's a misunderstanding between the circumstances that we're in in this here and moment now and comparing that to a situation in the past that resembles it that was traumatic, dangerous, or a threat. And the, the, the brain really has a, a struggle with separating what's present here and now and what's different to what it has been and what has known. Because if there has been threat, if there has been danger, if there's been harm in the past, and it has learned to protect you from that, anything that reminds it or resembles or is in any way similar to that environment, the body's like, oh, here we go. Got to pull them out. Got to get them out. Got to get them safe. Got to shut them down. Got to keep them small. Got to keep them safe. I'm so glad you said that. I was about to say, and the operative word being believe, because you said when your nervous system believes. And so you went right in the direction my brain was going, which was, okay, let's pause and make sure we're explaining that. And so let's give an example. Okay. So I, I just, again, I'm kind of repeating what you're saying just because I'm reprocessing it myself and making sure the listener's really getting this because all the stuff we talk about in this podcast, it's it's fun, it's interesting, it's insightful, like people like it. And I really do believe that what you're talking about right now, if we don't get this, all that other stuff will be interesting and entertaining and insightful, but we won't perhaps really get it, get it, like really get it. So thank you for being willing to do this. So, and when you talked about the nervous system believing that something reminds it, let's say it, of something in the past. Wanting, I want to also just be clear that the something in the past could very well be what you mentioned before, subconscious, or it could be one of those intrinsic memories. Like you don't really remember it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like you and I are having a conversation and suddenly 
my chest turns bright red and the redness is climbing up my face more than just like, oh, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little excited to talk to Georgie. I'm a little uncomfortable. I know, and I'm saying this because this used to happen to me, Georgie, for decades of my life. I was actually going to bring this up to you and ask you your thought on it. It was so embarrassing, which then the embarrassment would trigger more of this response. And it was something that that one time, so I guess I will go here. One time I thought to myself, I'm talking, I was like in my 30s. If someone heard me say this out loud, they wouldn't believe it. I thought to myself. But the thought is, if someone else came along to me, God, let's say, and said, you have two options. One, you'll never experience this again this flushing, this heart racing, this paralyzing feeling that you have, which you don't understand what triggers it, that can go away forever. Or number two, you'll have extreme wealth, health, and success in every area of your life guaranteed starting today. I would have picked the first option. Swear to God, I would have picked the first option. That's how much it paralyzed me and upset me and bothered me. And I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. So that's an extreme example. But let's say I start getting that feeling. Will you explain to them what you mean by it could be my nervous system thinking that my conversation with you was connected somehow or similar to something, but it, the something, I don't even remember it. Right. So the first thing is to recognize that it is the nervous system. When we flush because of increased blood flow, when we feel constricted in our expression because we have a tightening of the muscles within our vocal sort of chain, when we feel frozen because the, for example, when I was a child, I remember we had this chat being chased by two policemen and they hopped over the bottom of the fence and I went to run and I couldn't and I was frozen to the spot. And my brain was saying, my dad was shouting at me, get inside. And I was frozen, frozen, could not move. My logical mind was saying, run, Georgie, run. But my nervous system had taken over. My nervous system was saying, we freeze, we stay safe, we stop, we stand still. This is all I know how to do in response to this perceived danger, this perceived stressor. So, I think it's really important to recognize that our nervous system is, if you like, a communication system. And when you flush, when you have any kind of response in the body, that is your nervous system doing something. It is signals from the brain to the body to create a response that are activated. We don't have to make that wrong. We don't have to make that bad, but we do have to recognize that that is actually happening. So there is, I think one of the key steps when, when working with this is to really almost separate the who you are from the thing that's happening. Rather than this happens to me, we get to be like, oh, my nervous system's doing this thing. And that is so important because then we can recognize, oh, well, I know my n- nervous system is designed to keep me safe and keep me alive. And that often involves keeping me stuck exactly where I am, which is not always the best thing. <laughs> um, but when you recognize it, it, that is it doing its best to keep you safe. You can say, okay, huh, interesting. That means right now there's something happening that's creating a response in it. What could that be? And with that, we can get cognitive about it and we can be logical and we can be curious and we can do all the talky-talky stuff. And then there's also the invitation to actually reconnect with the body, knowing that sometimes the body remembers what the mind forgets. 
Okay. So for example, put me as an adult in a situation where that's, you know, just a complete sort of story, but to paint the picture as that 12 year old that was frozen in my garden, watching this man be chased by two policemen with two helicopters over the top of us and then armed vehicles coming into the bottom of the drive and my dad running towards this man to help them. And I was frozen. Put me into somebody's garden. 15 years later, okay? And there's a helicopter flying past and then suddenly the neighbor hops over the fence. Ooh, my nervous system is alive, you know? Cognitively, logically, my brain goes, hey, it's Tom from next door. But my 12-year-old, my body is like, whoa, last time we were here, this was dangerous. This man was dangerous and my dad was in danger and I was in danger. So you need to be frozen again. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how the body remembers. That's the nervous system having scanned the environment, being like, ho, ho, been here before. No, that wasn't safe. We need to do something. Okay. So what happens when there really is no cognitive, there is no conscious memory? Like you have, you have no memory of that ever happening. Let's say you were two years old when it happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't remember it. Maybe just elaborate on that. You, you don't really remember that, but you, every time you're in a garden and someone hops over a fence, you, you freeze and you're like, what the hell? Why does this happen? Yes. Yeah. And that is just the most beautiful question to ask because by asking a question, you're curious. By pointing it out and being like, what the hell is wrong with me? We're being critical. We're criticizing, which as we know is never the entry point into change. I love that. Being critical or criticism is never the entry point to change. We are putting that on a t-shirt. And then putting Georgie Moore <laughs> underneath it. That is so good. <laughs> but it's true, right? So by asking that question, like, what is happening? Why is this happening to me? That's when you get to be like, hmm, well, what is happening? And you start to get curious and you say, well, I start feeling hot and I start feeling this tightening in my body from my stomach to my throat and my palms are sweating and I can't move. And you start to get curious about that. And then Above all else, when you start to educate yourself on that being just in a state of arousal, and there's lots of different states, the, the nervous system will take you into different states of arousal. Ones can be hyper aroused, where you're really on that high alert, high functioning survival state. And the other can be hyper arousal, where it really takes you down into this sort of like low functioning, lo- low energy restorative phase, actually, more than anything. So... I'm not going to go too much into that here, but when we recognize my body's doing something different that doesn't feel totally attributable to the situation I'm in, you get to start to recognize, well, okay, I now need to go and explore what this is, not needing to understand why it's happening, but learning how I can support myself in finding and returning to safety and calm and regulated state so that the rest of my body gets to come back online. Yeah. Right? When we're in a yes. hyper arousal state, we are literally like, where is the thing? We are single focused. We are hyper alert. The, the, the possibility of connection and really drawing in joy and pleasure. Uh-uh, no, that's out. We are literally just like, how am I surviving? How am I surviving? How am I surviving? Yeah. And so not to knock traditional therapy, um, yet, cause it is very helpful and it has its place. And, In traditional therapy, what they would have the person do is go back into, let's try to remember what happened that's causing that. And I know with you, what you would do 
is what you just described. Help us just focus on the body. Because as you said, you know, the body's holding on to something we don't remember from when we were, let's say, one or two years old, speaking of the example we were giving. And you're going to help me go back without reliving it, without even trying to remember it. But you're going to help me go into my body and and I'm going to use this sort of metaphor, like I'm going to you know, take my hand and reach down into like my left leg, let's say. And I'm going to pull this memory that I don't remember that my body's holding on to out. And you're going to help me get it out of physically out of my body. So the next time I'm in the garden, someone hops over the fence, my body doesn't feel a threat. That's to me what's so beautiful about this work is that I think a lot of us are afraid to work with a coach because we're thinking, Georgie, I just had a friend say this to me recently. I'm telling you, people still think this. I know you recommend all these coaches, but honestly, Jill, I, I don't have the energy the, or the emotional capacity. I feel like I'm going to cry right now because I'm feeling what she, I think she was feeling to go back and think about, talk about, or even partially experience some things that I experienced when I was a child. She could just feel already that that was too much for her. And I said, no, 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 that's the beauty. You don't have to do that. And she's like, well, what it is it? What is it, magic? So that's why I'm glad we're breaking this down. I think a lot of very sophisticated, intelligent, educated women still don't get what you're doing. They think they're going to have to go back and talk about it or experience it again. And they may not consciously remember it, but they know something happened that they don't want to revisit. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. It makes sense. And I think it's really the fear of so many people when they have attempted to move forward in a direction that they want to, and they've been met with their own patterns, their own um, reasons why it's not okay for them, their, their own worthiness issues. This is just next level. This is the deeper, more traumatic, more sustained memories within the body from our past, from our childhood. So it's so, it is so normal that, I mean, who wants to go back there? Let's be honest. <laughs> who wants to go back there? But what, what we do want is to move beyond it. And to move beyond it for me is really about starting by allowing yourself to fully see where you are, not in just sort of a brain-based understanding, but just like a, this is what my body does. This is what my brain tells me. This is how I feel. (laughs) And from there, we get to really soothe because the the pulling out is one thing. That is a really important part. We go into the leg, we pull, you know, like using your your analogy here, you go into the leg, you, you create a safe space where the the cycle of release is allowed to be complete. So we go into that leg, we allow the expression of emotion, energy, fear, whatever to come up and out and express through the body without needing to know what is being expressed, right? We just really release, release, release. With that release work has to also be soothing and understanding of how to calm the body, calm yourself, calm your mind so that safety is also restored. It's got to be a soothing process, a slow process. And that doesn't have to be heavy or hard. (laughs) And I think that's my biggest surprise is that actually by... And this is the beauty of, of where my journey began. 
I believe in the power of the body. I believe in the wisdom of the body far beyond I often believe in what the conscious mind can do because I have seen it with patience time and time and time again beyond what medical books could tell me, you know, in terms of the healing and they, when they start to recognize, you know, how old actually this back pain started when my relationship had this happen and they start to soothe and heal the relationship and the, the back pain sort of went. I had one client come to me as a coach and she had really severe uh, ulcerative colitis to the point where they'd considered, you know, total surgery to remove the bowel. And we started working together for other reasons. But knowing what I know about the wisdom of the body and and when we release and express with the body and from the body how healing can occur, it was both wonderful and unsurprising that after six months of, in fact, we worked together for a year, after a year of her really repairing that relationship with herself and trusting her body again and leaning into the intuitive nudges from her body, those symptoms disappeared to the point where she was off all medication. She was off her very restrictive diet. And it was totally mind boggling (laughs) to those who supported her. Now, am I saying, you know, that's the medical route to working with ulcerative colitis? No, but I am saying that a reconnection to the power of the body, releasing and working with the body and trusting the wisdom of the body to guide you in your own healing is important and a beautiful adjunct to anything that you're doing. I was going to beg you to give us an example and you did. So as you know, I was a critical care ICU nurse for a long time and then got into this work just a couple of years ago. In the meantime, I was working with someone I call my spirit healer. Cannot explain her, won't try. She's amazing. And she was the one who really taught me the connection between emotions feelings, experiences, beliefs, and our physical body. But it took, it took some convincing. You know, I was trained traditionally and I, and I'm just so glad you shared what you shared because there is such a connection. Our body is, you know, I think what's that saying? If you don't weep, your organs will, you know, mm-hmm. they'll weep for you. <laughs> like if you suppress enough, it's going to come. So I'm so glad you just mentioned that, that nice little caveat there that, that our body is not just holding on to things and keeping score, but yeah. Yes. And that's the beautiful relationship that by connecting with that stuff, you're inviting yourself back into. And if you think that reconnecting with the body, releasing from the body is just because it carries inappropriate stress responses or which are actually to the brain totally appropriate (laughs) because it thinks you're in danger or it's repressed memories and trauma from your childhood. Again, who wants to go there? No one, no one. But if we can say that actually, no, that is just a piece of reconnecting to the body. And in reconnecting to the body, you access the wisdom of the body, the intuition of the body, the pleasure and joy and sensory experience of being in your human body, which let's be honest, when people are really operating in this sort of stress response, they tend to live neck up because being in the body is just so uncomfortable, exactly as you've experienced with your red flushing and nobody wants to be there. That for me, that's the invitation. That's the level that I work on is we're not just going into the pits, guys. We're not just going into the depths of your discomfort and your stress responses. We are just reconnecting to you, to the wisdom, the energy, the healing, and the intuition that is available to you when you are back in relationship with your body 
and nervous system in a way that is soothing and safe and really generative for the life that you want. Mm, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I believe in this work so much, you know. I mean, when we first met in that program, remember, I was so uncomfortable. Remember that? Just holding my hand on my heart center and trying to breathe. I didn't want to do it. It was annoying to me. It was frustrating. I didn't want to be on the calls. I didn't want to participate. Not from an arrogant place like, oh, this I'm better than this. It was just, I knew my body was fighting me. And just even sitting there for 30 seconds was hard, Georgie. And then I remember on one of our calls, when we were asked to, you know, give like a description of the, I felt a tightness in my chest, which I usually do. A description, I was like, oh, Jesus, I can't give a description. This is so, I cannot do this. And I surrendered to it. And I was like, holy shit. It's kind of like a jagged shape. Oh my gosh. It's kind of purple. Like, what the hell? How did I just know that? But it's, oh my it God, was, it's speaking to me. It's yes! speaking to me. <laughs> but this was normal for all, of, for all of you. It was normal for, well, some people in the program were coaches and therapists and it wasn't, it was new to them, but it wasn't new to you or many of the people. And I was like, what the hell? This was a different language. This was a whole different universe, a different world, a different language. And I wanted it. Like once I felt that, I was like, my body has so much to tell me. How is it that the tightness in my chest that I had felt my whole life, Georgie, had a jagged shape? And when you asked me, I said it was purple. And then my brain, of course, said, oh, no, you just made that up. But I didn't. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, and then how is it that I felt it with just some simple breathing softened, the edges softened, and then it turned from purple to like a sparkly, clear something. And then I felt it just go away. Like, how did that happen? This is a, just something I didn't expect to say, but this is another endorsement of the beautiful part of this work. As you said, not just going into the depths or thinking about trauma from childhood, but this is a beautiful way to heal and restore. Yes. Yes. It is a beautiful way to bring all of you back online and all of you back on board, knowing that that's where embodied fulfillment gets to come in. Not just, I tell myself I'm happy because on paper, everything looks good. But like, I feel this. I feel this in my body because I am able to be in my body because I know how to soothe it when it gets activated. And I know how to enjoy it when it's in pleasure. And I know how to excite it when maybe it's feeling a little bit low and funky and, and depressed. Like when we get to be in alliance with our bodies, we work with them, we listen, we, we nourish, we tend to it in a way that is so co-creative. Body gives to us, we give to body. Truly, we're living as the human we're here to be. <laughs> we're living in the body that we are designed to be living in. And that for me is where our best talents stem from, our biggest creativity stems from, our greatest expression and fulfillment comes from, because we're actually living it. We're actually in it. Okay. So before we go on, because I am excited to talk about when we're feeling the call to, to shift directions in our life, whether it's relationship or career, et cetera. I'm excited to talk about that, but I still feel like I want to stay here for a minute. When you say many of us are living from the neck up, or when you say the term 
out of your body. I know that that's, it, it makes total sense to you. But I want you to speak to the person who's saying, I'm with you here, but I still don't get that part. What do you mean I'm not in my body? Of course I'm in my body. One of the things I used to say to patients when I was a chiropractor is our body is always, as we say, looking to communicate to us, to direct us towards health and survival and away from harm and disease. So we have to be listening to its communication. And the nervous system is, if you like, telephone lines from the brain, sending messages to the rest of the body. And that can be messages on, as I said, healing, like muscle movement, um, repair, whatever, function, all those messages pinging up and down that telephone line all the time. Now, most of those are subconscious. When the brain needs us to hear them, it will make them sensory. It will make them an experience that we are designed to feel. So, for example, I used to say the patient would walk into me and their back had gone bang, right? They were completely incapacitated with severe back pain, could barely move, totally crunched over, shuffling in, hobbling, you know, barely could get them on the couch because they bent down to pick up a pencil and bang, gone, right? Picked up a pencil. That's not a 10 ton load that has the capacity to really damage tissues unless that tissue has been under stress for a long time. And it has maybe been letting you know a little bit here, letting you know again a little bit louder, speaking to it a little bit louder here until it realizes you're really not listening. So bang. And so I used to say, if we can listen to the body hum before it has to start singing, before it has to start shouting, then we can really, really respond to the body and its needs before it is at critical point. But to do that, you have to be paying attention. You have to be really looking for those little cues that you need to pee (laughs) when you need to pee. Not that you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh my God, I haven't peed all day because I have been so busy or I've been so engaged with other people. I've been so busy with the kids or in the office or that I didn't even notice that my bladder is about to burst and actually it's screaming at me. I love that example because that's a great example, in my opinion, of, of course, you're living in your body but you're so disconnected that you don't even notice a bodily function that needs to be performed because you're achieving and taking care of everybody and you're doing, and you're, I love, I've ever, never heard that example. That's a great example because do you agree that it's kind of a weird thing to say you're not in your body? Yes, totally, totally. It becomes so normal for us. Yes. yes and it sounds very spiritual. It sounds very like ethereal and like you're not in your body and like, okay, what do I do? Great, go up into the air and like physically push myself. I mean, I actually had someone say that to me. One of my kids' friends was like, what are you, are you talking about energy? Like it was very confusing, but that is such a great example. How many of us don't realize that we're hungry? Yes. And that's where, when we start this process of reconnection to the body, that's where we start. We start with the paying attention. And, it, and for most, you know, most clients who come to me, highly successful, very high achieving academic women who are very much in their minds. They are very much I'm going to say it, out of their bodies, up in their brains. And so I have to encourage them to set alarms throughout the day. And when that alarm dings, 
It's their reminder to just pause what they're doing, close their eyes if needed, because again, that helps them disconnect from what's happening in front of them and around them and actually bring their attention inward and just scan the body, just feel the body and notice, oh, I'm really tense in my low back. I should get up from my chair and move a bit or I really need to go to the loo or I'm so thirsty and I hadn't noticed. And the more we just practice that reconnection, the more we start to bridge a relationship that is more natural and part and parcel of how we operate. Yeah. So I'm assuming that once we do that and we notice a little bit of back pain or stiffness or that we need to use the restroom, et cetera, the longer we build that relationship with our body, then our body might feel safe to say other things. Like I have a tightness with sharp edges that is purple because that sounds so whack. I mean, it sounds, it sounds wild. And, you know, that's when you start to recognize, you know, that, oh, I'm actually exhausted after I spend time around too many people. I've forever told myself, this was me. I forever told myself that I was an extrovert and I just love people and love being, doing all the things and go, 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 go. And it wasn't till I met a friend and she was like, do you ever just need time on your own? And I was like, no. <laughs> what are you talking about, you crazy lady? No. And it blew her mind. But the amount that it blew her mind opened mine. And then I started to just, we actually moved overseas for a couple of years in my husband's work. And so I had more time on my own. And then I was like, oh, this feels good. I My energy is higher. I really crave this now when I don't have it. And I just started to recognize those sorts of clues, if you like, from my body of what felt good to me that maybe my brain had been ignoring (laughs) because Mm. I'd been so busy in the doing, doing, doing and the being who I thought I needed to be. So the slowing down to pay attention is really key. Not because you'll also find that you are an introvert at times and need, you know, time on your own to recharge, but to discover that actually oh yeah, I do need to be drinking more water right now. Or actually when I spend time with those people, I feel very unsafe and I don't like it. Or what is it about this environment that makes me feel on edge? Because I'm on edge every time I'm here. And from there, we start to work with the body. Yes. Say no to things that aren't really aligned with what we want and start to, because of that, clear our life from some of the drains that we're putting ourselves into all the time. Because if you're putting yourself into places or with people or in situations where your nervous system is activated and it's in high arousal, it is exhausting to the body. And eventually, hormonally, chemically, physiologically, you're going to burn out. Yeah. Some of us have felt that and some people are feeling that right now, having no idea they're just that that's what it is and they're just drinking more coffee. Drinking more Red Bull, typical Americans. (laughs) Seeing more people. (laughs) Seeing more people. Mm, So good. Okay, so I have an idea. I think what we're going to do is we're going to have two separate episodes. And I think what I want to do is round out this one. This, This, I do believe, I know for sure, needs to be its own episode. And then we are going to, and I'm still live right now. So to the woman listening to this, don't worry, you get more of Georgie. I'm going to, we're going to end the episode in a minute and then we're going to have a separate one on. Okay. We've got that. Now let's talk about, which is one of your favorite things to talk about with your clients, 
the shifting into something completely new. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the lovely thing about that is this is the beautiful precursor to that because to create any change in our lives, we have to recognize that our nervous system is going to hate it <laughs> and learn how to work with it. So to be able to understand, and if, if I can just kind of give a little high summary, to understand that your nervous system is always working for you. It believes so. It is always working to prevent, protect, or provide something that it believes will keep you safe and alive. And if you can recognize that even though its responses may feel irritating, uncomfortable, or a real pain in the ass to you, it is in some way for your highest safety. You can meet it with a willingness to not judge yourself for it, but a real understanding to start where you are, knowing that you now get to learn how to soothe it and work with it and release it so you can give it a break (laughs) and take the stress off the stress system so you can start to then open yourself up to more of the things that really are going to fuel you and feel good to you. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much. This was so educational. It was so interesting. And I would say necessary. I like to not shut on people. And I like to say, you know, if this speaks to you, if this feels aligned, I'm not going to say that about this particular topic. I do <laughs> feel that everyone deserves and needs to understand what you just explained, even if they don't take action on it. Just the understanding of it. Because I think that as they, as we understand that, there's less judgment and less criticism. We, oh, wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with me. When I turn red and I flush like that, there's nothing wrong with me. That's just my body trying to protect me and keep me safe. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Or, I mean, think of all the examples of, of someone listening right now. She's driving in her car and she's like, for 25 years, I have been embarrassed to say that this happens when this happens. And I didn't even understand that it was a beautiful mechanism of my body. I thought it was just something weird about me. Mm. And I didn't know I didn't have to live like this. Yes, exactly. And now I see that and I kind of love that and I can be compassionate. I get to go and work with it and shift it. 